No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use. Before, he made the statement in order to do Hasidus, which means to go out on your own and to invent your own ways of serving Akkadish Baruchu in addition to what the Torah requires of you. It is necessary for a person to be qualified to do that. You must be qualified in learning, alumnus and Torah, and be qualified in character. These two conditions are necessary before a person can invent new ways of serving Hashem. Otherwise, he could cause a tremendous harm in the world. Now we begin. Ubeemes shalom yuchal ish lahasliya bimishkalazeh elavishlishadon. The truth is, no one can succeed in making this calculation unless three conditions are fulfilled. One. His mind should be the most righteous of minds. It means he should have good leaders. Because even if it's a lambda and he understands all the ways that our college board who expects of people, still his inclinations, his emotions, his leaders push him to utilize his mind in the wrong direction. Let's say Kerach. Kerach, no question, was a great man. He was a lambda, he was a levy, and he was close to Mesha Abenu in Torah. He learned from him. He was at Matan he saw Yeshua's Messiah, everything. But in addition to all these things, he needed a perfection of character. And when he became envious, he utilized all his abilities to attack Moshe Rabbeinu. And he was claiming that he's doing it as a very big Hasidus. He says, Kol Eidu Kulum Kedoshim, Ubesuchem Hashem, they're all holy. How can you elevate yourself and your brother over everybody? And he had a whole theory that Meshach Rabbeinu, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu favored him, Meshach was able to ask for his own personal benefit. But if Meshach had been a more honest man and would have asked for other things, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would give him honest things. Other things. A whole theory. Now, I'm not capable of telling you everything that Kerach thought, but Kerach was a brilliant man, and he was qualified mitzvah Torah. But the Midas took all of his qualifications and channeled them 
into our direction it was extremely harmful that's why the first thing the person has to have good character if he wants to be a chassid his intention his motivation should be only only to cause pleasure to Hashem and nothing but that but when a person has flaws in his character he is going to do things because of his midas either his title his desire for covet his jealousy and therefore will take all of his abilities and he'll make them servants of his wrong character traits and that's why number one a person has to have a purity of character in order to be a chassid say that now another condition he has to continue to maintain a surveillance over all of his deeds it means he has to think constantly about himself every day at the end of the day look over all that he did during the day and say was I right or was I wrong was I motivated by good motivations or maybe it was done with wrong kavanas maybe the other person was right and I was wrong was it according to the halacha would the chachomim agree with my behavior that's the very big important subject of Cheshbon HaNefesh that Nisim spoke about in the first Pelkim how important it is to keep your eye on yourself now this man must be ma'ayan always he must look at his deeds and examine them at all times and he should exert himself to improve his deeds according to this purpose that he sees every day whether he did things correctly or not that's the second say that aside now the third condition the Aha calls us and after all this he should put the burden of things on Hashem it means he shouldn't think that he is the one that's managing his affairs he should have full trust that only Hashem is going to carry out then it can be said about him fortune is a man whose strength is in you Hashem doesn't trust in himself the man thinks that with his sitkas with his righteous ideas he's going to do things he'll change things even to make the world better but he doesn't keep in mind that he cannot do a thing without Hashem then he won't succeed he won't succeed in anything and in this also even though his intentions are good let's say he wants to make a new movement that people should do things in a different way in order that they should be able to fulfill their Torah more enthusiastically he invents a certain thing to do whatever it is he has to keep in mind that the only Akkadish Boro can give him success it doesn't depend on him Hashem will not withhold success or good from those who walk with trust in him but if a person thinks that he is managing everything that even though he has the best intentions 
he has grown away from the fundamentals and he will not succeed. Set that aside. Omnum. But in Echol Minat Noim one of these three conditions will be lacking. Lo Yagir El Ashlemis. He will not arrive at perfection in what he desires to do. And he is probably going to stumble and fall. The Hainu, or either if the intention is not perfect and pure, let's say he has intentions of becoming a powerful man by the new things he wants to do, he should get more glory in the world. Oh, or if he will neglect supervising his deeds as much as he's capable to do or after all these things he doesn't hang his trust on his creator he thinks he is managing the whole show by himself it'll be difficult not to fall down and fail. Say that. He doesn't he doesn't <laughs> but if he will keep these three conditions properly, now he enumerates. Perfection in his thoughts means without any wrong emotions, without any wrong character traits that come into his mind to deflect him from the right path. Iyun, also looking at his deeds to supervise them constantly and be talking to trust that our Kodesh Baruch is the only one who can give success to any kind of effort at all. If he has these three conditions, then he can go confidently with truth. He will succeed. And no harm will come to him. However, we should remember all these conditions are in addition to what he is going to tell us soon. He told us already. He'll repeat it again later. He must be a Lamdin. He must know what the Torah expects of him. Without the models of the Torah, nothing will help. So these three things are in addition to the very great principle that Hasidus requires Haskola Rabo, great wisdom, like he's going to tell us. Chana said that, the mother of Shmuel, in Hashem will guard the feet of those who are devoted to him. If they're Hasidov, devoted to Hashem, and Hashem will guard their feet. The David David said, Lo Yazev es Hasidov He will not forsake his pious ones who are devoted to him. They will always forever be guarded by him. Say that inside. Now this study, we shouldn't think, is something that's too distant from us. Because we are not just Hasidim that we're going to do things beyond the line of duty. And Halavai, we should fulfill what every Jew has to fulfill. It's not true. 
every person many times in his life goes out on a tangent thinking he's doing something good and it's a question whether it actually was good every person sometimes volunteers to do things that may be questionable may be very good but it may be very wrong too if it's very good it's Hasidus if it's very wrong it's a misuse of this opportunity and therefore this study is not a waste of time for anybody it's important for all of us to continue this study and know how to be careful in doing anything unless it's something that's ordinarily prescribed for all Jews you have to put on tefillin you have to adopt them three times a day you have to say brachas so these things don't require anything special of course they require a kavona you have to know the halacha certainly but if a person would try to invent some additional way of serving Hashem are you a marshal? suppose he would say in order to make things exciting that people should be enthusiastic we have to stand on our heads and sing to Hashem this happened at one time by the way in history you have to watch out is that a derech? is that approved? and why are you doing it? it could be a great love of Hashem a person will stand on his head too but it could be that it's the opposite and you're doing things in order to make yourself a whole kanaka to show that you're inventing new things in the world and therefore everybody needs these instructions that we're learning here that's all Kuflamit Zion top of the omen Before we learned that in order to practice Hasidus, which means doing beyond what one is required by the line of duty, he must be qualified. Otherwise, he'll venture out into new fields of activity that may be the opposite of Hasidus. And he put three conditions. One is that he should have Iyun, he should keep his mind on what he's doing and continually practice surveillance over his deeds to see if they are not going out of the boundaries of the Torah also he must be learned and must be knowledgeable and know what the Torah requires of him and also he should have to have a good character sometimes a person may be knowledgeable but because of his character jealousy animosity, other reasons, he does innovative things which he thinks, according to his self-deluded mind, that it's Hasidus, which is actually motivated by other 
intentions other than Hasidus, and therefore he can become a big choytei under the guise of becoming a big Hasid. I was quoted last time, Koyach was certainly a learned man, and he had sons that were great Hasidim. Well, I'm not saying I live in a Koyach. No question that he himself was an important personality. But because he was motivated by envy, he thought he was taking up for the honor of the cloud he saw. He says, Everybody is Kodesh. Why should you elevate yourselves over the Kalashem and become Kohanim? And although our Kodesh Baruch commanded this to Moshe, Terach believed that Moshe Rabbeinu prevailed upon Hashem because he was so active in the service of Hashem, he prevailed upon Hashem, Hashem favored Moshe. But had Moshe chosen to do what was equitable and proper, HaKadosh Baruch would have made the whole cloud Yisrael a Mamleches Kehana. And therefore he went into a dangerous tangent and made a machlekes with the intention, the self-deluded intention as a chosid. Now we start, Kupla Mezayin at the top. In what he must understand is this. You should not judge malas or chosidus by their first superficial appearance. Remember, we're talking about people who wish to do things that are not the custom, not required, who want to volunteer of the generosity of their hearts to do additional things. But those things should not be judged by the way they look at first. He has to look into it and see what would be the results of these actions. Not only how the actions themselves seem, but what would happen as a result if he was followed and do these actions. Sometimes the act itself looks like it's a good act, but because the results would be harmful, it's his obligation to forsake, to let go of those acts and not to do them. Many times, a thing might look like a righteous endeavor, but if you think ahead and see what will come out as a result, you might see that the results will be harmful. And therefore, you shouldn't do such acts of chassidus. First up to here. Now this is not such a rarity as it might seem. It is happening all the time. Only those who do it are persuading themselves that they're doing acts of righteousness. And many times they're doing harm to other people and sometimes to the cloudy soil. But Lu Yase also, if he would do these acts, he should know He's really a sinner. And now I give some extreme examples. In a Maise, Gedalia ben Achikon, 
godly lane. The story of Galgivanachikam is open before our eyes as an example. Now it's called Tsoyim Gedalia, which means not only a fast because of the death of Gedalia, it's a fast because of a misfortune caused by the Tzadi Gedalia. Because of his great piety, he didn't want to judge Yishmael, who was his enemy, to the Kaf Cheva, means to think that he intended harmful intentions. Now Yishmael was coming to visit Gedalia. Gedalia should have watched out for Yishmael. Yishmael was known to be jealous. Yishmael was of the royal family. Gedalia ben Achikam was appointed by Nebuchadnezzar to be the governor of the land after the Choven Bayez Rishon. But Yishmael, who was left in the land, together with Sheres HaPleto, was jealous. He belonged to the royal family. And he wanted to be the ruler instead of Gedalia. And Gedalia should have known that. Gedalia said, I wouldn't suspect a man like Ishmael of harmful intentions toward me. And he didn't want to accept Loshon Hora. People say, watch out for this Ishmael. Don't let him come in to see you. Because he has intentions against you. And Gedalia, because he was Hasidus, refused to hear anything wrong about Ishmael. Omar, he said to Yechemekeh, you're saying falsehood about Ishmael. He's saying, I won't accept what you say against that man. Oh my God, what did that cause? God of Hashem caused that he was killed. He was assassinated by Ishmael. And then, Yisrael. And the remnants of Yisrael that were left in the land were scattered. But now when the governor was appointed by Zubova, by Luanessa, the governor, Yadali, was killed, all the Jews were afraid to remain there because they were afraid that Luanessa would wreak his vengeance upon them for killing his governor. So they all fled to Messiah. So the last remnant that was left in the land with the hope maybe they could build up the land again the and the only remaining coal that was still burning in the land the hope that they might build up again from this remnant was extinguished it was extinguished and therefore for 70 years there was nobody in the land now this is a tragedy that could have been avoided because HaKadosh Baruch left over the poor people of the land he left over. All the important personalities were carried away in exile. But the poor people still remained. And it was hoped that in the course of time they would increase and multiply, they would regain the confidence of Nebuchadnezzar, of Bovel, they build up the land again. But when Gedali was assassinated by Ishmael, the last hope was extinguished. And Gedali is blamed for being such a chosid and not suspecting what might happen. 
together with him, the entire staff of assistants were murdered too. And it's all blamed on Yedalia. He is to blame for their blood. As if he killed them. And this is what the Chachamim state on the Pusik, the remarkable Pusik. It's called Pigre or Anoshem Asher Hiko Biyad Gedalia. All the bodies, the dead bodies of the men who were smitten by the hand of Gedalia. Actually, the plain meaning is they were hit, they were smitten, they were killed because of the face of Gedalia. But the body is by the hand of Gedalia. To say, Gedalia is to blame. So we see here the Chassid, who didn't want to accept Russian Horah, and as a result, he and others lost their lives, and he is blamed for a wrong form of Chassidus. It's a remarkable story. Here's a man who's a Chassid, didn't want to accept Russian Horah, and believe anything wrong about somebody, and because of him, what happened, a tragedy happened, so we say, your piety killed these people. Say that inside. And so the verdict is, he called. He smote them. He killed them by the hand of Gedalia. Now, one more. The second base of Migdish was destroyed also because of a Hasidus. It was not weighed in a proper, careful measure. Now, Baal Kamse was by mistake invited to a gathering of the Hachamim when Kamse should have come. But Baal Kamse didn't belong there. And Baal Kamse was expelled. Now, he was very angry because he was expelled. So he said, I'm going to the Romans. And he went to the Romans and said, the Bnei Yisrael are plotting to revolt against the Romans. Now, the Romans only needed to hear that. When they heard a plot to revolt, it enraged them more than anything else. So they said, how do you know that they intend to revolt against us? So Barakamsa said, Send an offering to the base of Middish in honor of the king. Now, it was a practice that they used to offer offerings for the king. For Goyim, you can offer offerings in the base of Middish. But what did he do? He made an almost imperceptible blemish, a moon, in the eye of that corn that he was sending. Now, the Goyim wouldn't understand that as a moon. But according to the Torah, it's a blemish. So when he came to the Kahanim and said, here's an offering that the emperor sent to be sacrificed in his honor, they looked at it, they couldn't accept it. But then they said among themselves, if we won't accept it, the Romans will think we're rebelling against our emperor. So they decided to go against the law of the Torah and accept it. The Pikuach Nefesh, to prevent a massacre of the Jews, we can do things like that. But it was a tzaddik, Zechari ben Avkulis, he said, how can you do such a thing? 
you'll accept an offering with a blemish, there'll be a precedent, and others will say it's permissible. And he insisted with his Hasidus not to accept that offering. So he had to refuse the offering because of him. And then, by comes to brought back the offering, he said to the Romans, look, this perfect offering, the Jews refused to accept for the king. That was the proof to the Romans that the Jews rebelled against him. And the Romans came and began to massacre the Jews. So Gemara said the piety of Zahalia ben Abkulis destroyed our base Hamikdash, his piety. So here's a case of a Hasidus that was not weighed properly to understand what could happen as a result. And he is blamed by his Hasidus for the very great harm that he caused. Now we don't have time to learn it inside, that's tomorrow. Let's talk. In the middle of the Omer, the Habayis Hashenei Gamhu Chorev. He's talking about Hasidus, which has to be practiced only with great Haskalah, great understanding. And we should always look what will be the results, not how it seems on the moment. Like Gedalia ben Achikon, who refused to accept Loshon Hora against Yishmael. He was told he was plotting to kill Gedalia. Gedalia refused to accept that. The end was that Yishmael killed Gedalia and some more people. And Gedalia, that tzaddik, who refused to accept Loshon Hora, is blamed for the death of all the other people. So here's the case of Hasidus. He didn't want to accept any kind of Lashon Hara, and the end was that people were killed because of that. Because of such a piety, it wasn't weighed with a proper weighing. It means, at the moment, Zechariah ben Avkulis insisted not to accept a korban that was brought in honor of the Roman king because it had a mum in the eyes, a small, slight blemish. And the Chachamah said, we'll refuse it, although it's actually possible we'll refuse it, it'll come out that we are rebelling against the king, refusing to honor him by the Koban. And this Moshe, Kamsa by Kamsa, would go and tell the Romans, don't you see that the Jews refuse the king's Koban? So they said, but we can't help us, so we have to accept that Korban now, because there's a Sakona. And he said, no, you can't accept it, because you're making a precedent. And people will think it's mutter to accept the Korban of Balmum. And the end was, because of that, the Romans came and they attacked Yerushalayim, and people were murdered in masses because of him. Rabban intended to accept the Korban with the Mum. People will say that you can take a Balmum and make an offering out of it. So they're thinking of killing Kamse Ba Kamse in order he shouldn't be able to come back and to say 
a accusation that the Bnei Yisrael refused a king's covenant. Here again, this tzaddik objected. Omadem, Abishai ibn Avkulis, Yemu people will say, Matal Mum Yikoshim Yehoyek. That because he made a mum, that's why you killed him. People will know you killed him because he shouldn't be a Mosa. Benkacha Benkacha, so in the meantime, Holach Oyesa Horosha, Kamsa Ba Kamsa, Behil Shenes Yisoyal, and you slandered your soil that they refused to accept the covenant in honor of the king. And the emperor sent forces to destroy Yerushalayim. commented on the Sanushay, the piety of this Rabbi Shaya, his Hasidus, Destroyed our base on English. We saw the base of Olenu. We higgled you saw in El Benumis and caused us to go in exile among the nations. Arela Hosser, you see, Shane Lodan Bachasidus, a master cast you Shamalabad. You shouldn't judge Hasidus by the act how it looks right now alone. Ach Solich Lifnus Koiba Hela Hola Zodim Shayoho. You have to turn to all the sides. Shayoho Sehol Adam Liris. All the sides are able to look. What could happen as a result of this chesidus? Until he finally can make a true judgment, what he should do? Either to do it, or how many? Please try not to do it. So now we're learning that chesidus is not at all a simple matter. You can't just follow your inclination when you think of a pious thought, a chosafrum thought of chesidus and go ahead and do it. You have to weigh it in a mishkol of haskolo, of lambdas, and consider the future too, and then, after you know all the sides of it, then you can make a decision. Say that inside. Turn over. Hinei ha-torot As a means of the Torah, ocheach tochich es amisecha. You must criticize your fellow man. When you see that he does something that's wrong, you must tell him and you must rebuke him and criticize him and set him straight. <clears throat> Many times a person will try to go into this rebuking, criticizing sins in a place or in a time when his words will not be heard. And he causes them to break forth more in their wickedness. And to make and to add more sins. Like the one that said, That a precarious soil, to watch out because if you rebuke him, he might even do more, worse. And therefore, even the mitzvah of a chayatochiyah, mitzvah de'aisa, also has to be used with a judgment of a mishkol, of haskol alabo, of very big cycle 
and Iyun about what will be the results. Say that inside. In such cases, the real chassidus is to keep quiet. Just like it's a mitzvah of the Torah to say something that will be heard, will be listened to. It's the same mitzvah, the same mitzvah, not to say something that will not be listened to. Now, kach means it's the same, just like it's a daraisa. To tell a person when he's wrong, it's the same daraisa not to tell him if he won't listen. The A, push it. See how simple that is. Shavoy lecholodam liyos magdim v'rosadamis. Actually, every person is proper. He should hurry and run to do a mitzvah. Ole hishtade liyos mineis kimbo. And to exert himself to be among those who are busy with the mitzvah. Sometimes a quarrel can come out of that. Because it is Rizus, of this desire to be the first to do the mitzvah, sometimes trouble can come out of that. Because more than the mitzvah will be honored by his running to do it, it will be profane. Make a chil Hashem. For instance, when they were running up the young Kahanim on the Mizbeach for the Mitzvah Tumas Adeshan, so they were racing up. Each one to be first. Big Mitzvah, Mitzvah Daraisa. Zrizah Magdimen too. And it happened that when they were running up, one of them saw that the other one was coming, going faster. He became so excited they took the knife that the Kahanim used for the Aveda and he put it into the heart of his competitor. He lost control of himself. So in a case like that, it would have been better not to arouse angry feelings and to let it go, let somebody else go first. Because in similar cases, Certainly the Chosid must let go of the mitzvah and not run after it. In case of the because they knew those who carried the Aroin Habris, the reward was very great. So they've forsook the mitzvah of carrying a shulchan and the mitzvahs when they were traveling. All ran to take the oran to get the reward of carrying the oran. So there's a quarrel over that. I need to encounter, I want to hold on this part of the oran. I want to hold on here. And it came to Kaldusresh, it means to quarreling. 
attack them. It happened that Levim were felled by the Shechina as a result of the callous rush of misbehavior in the presence of the Arayin Habris. Now, it's a very big mitzvah for people to volunteer to do good things. A very big mitzvah to be first. Rizim Magdim are mitzvahs. And still, when we see that something can come out of it that's not favorable for Shem Shomayim, then you shouldn't do it. And it's important to look ahead always and consider what could happen. One more piece. Hinei chayev ha'odom lishmer kol ha'mitzvahs v'chol dik dukehem v'chnei mishi. A man is mechoyev to fulfill all the mitzvahs and he shouldn't care who is looking. It means maybe somebody will disapprove and might really kill him. No, he has to do the mitzvahs anyhow. He shouldn't care what people think or say. He shouldn't be afraid of anybody and shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed. So Amela said, when I met other kings of other countries, I spoke about the laws of Hashem and I praised them. And I wasn't ashamed, even though they are opposed to our Torah. I wasn't ashamed. You should be bold like a leopard who has chutzpah. When it comes to mitzvahs, don't be afraid. We call Kanesh and fast. To do the will of your father in heaven. And it says, Omnum, but even Gamba is even such a thing. You have to make distinctions. And you have to make a use of discretion. He calls in It's only on the mitzvah itself that we're obligated to do. So the mitzvah itself, we should never let go of it just because of somebody's ridicule. In these things, he should make his face as strong as flint, like a stone. He shouldn't care, shouldn't be embarrassed. But there certain additional things of Hasidus that are not obligatory, not required to do them. And these things, if they'll cause opposition, there is to be careful and to be aware of doing them. A very important point we're hearing here. When it's not a matter of chiyos, it's a matter of additional flumkite chasidus that he wants to do of his own, which is certainly praiseworthy, but in a case where that will cause ridicule or hostility, then it's a mitzvah not to do it. That's a chiddush he's telling us. If this man will do it in the presence of the multitude of plain people, ignorant people, they'll laugh at him, and they'll ridicule him. And he's causing them to sin. He's given that they should have a big sin. And they're punished because of him. He could have stopped doing those things. 
He could have done it in private, or he could have refrained entirely from doing those things. That's the chiddush of the Sefer Shalom. Certain things that are not necessary al pidin, even though they are praiseworthy to do, if they're going to cause people to sin by making lessonness of you, then no. See if it's something that's a mitzvah to do. Who cares for their lessonness? Let them have an avera. But if it's something that's lifnimishurisadin that you're able to refrain from doing it, then you have a chet if you'll do it and cause them to be an inish for ridiculing it. Say that, that's where we're stopping. We're starting Kufal Amit Tess, the top line. Tess like in Tov. It's on the subject of misusing the media of Hasidus in a way that it could cause harm. And he said before that you must look ahead and see what would be the results, even though at the moment it seems to be an act of Hasidus, but if the results are not favorable, then it's a chet, not Hasidus. And now I'll give you an example when people do things that cause others to ridicule them. And he's bringing people to do a chet. When people ridicule a man who is doing things with Nimishur Asadin, is Mahti Esarabim. So therefore, he should avoid those things. Now, if it's a mitzvah, or din that he must do, so he must make his face like a stone and don't care what they do. Whether they ridicule him, no, he shouldn't care. But there are certain things that are only additions only a hogim that we can dispense with in time of need. And if it could be done in such a way not to arouse the ridicule, the opposition of people, he should dispense with those things. That's a chiddush. And you couldn't say that today any place. But the Messiah of the Hashem is telling you that. Now look at the top line. Kufalam the test, like in Torah. Ach yesh with a certain additions done in Hasidus, if he will do it in the presence of the multitude of plain people, they'll laugh and they'll ridicule him. It comes down that they are punished because of the sin that he caused them to do. He could have left off from doing these things. He could have omitted these things. It's not an absolute obligation to do it. It's certainly better for a chosid to omit it rather than doing it. I'm not going to give any examples because I'll get into trouble. I'll say certain things you can uh, skip in order to avoid ridicule, and there'll be people who ridicule who ridicule me, will oppose me, so I'll keep you quiet. 
But that's a principle that you must be willing to conceal your Hasidus and do, don't publicly do things that are not absolutely necessary if it allows resentment and opposition. I'll give one example, I'll say, however, I'll risk this. Let's say, some people like to shake sway very much when they daven, like this. Suppose a person has to daven in his place of business. He's employed someplace. So he stands up davens, like a way people realize that's prayer. So the people won't ridicule him. So therefore, he should avoid swaying like that. It's something you can dispense with in a time of necessity. Otherwise, you'll bring other Jews to do a chet on the left. They'll point to you with their fingers and make fun. And people laughing at you as davening are getting a very big sin. It's because of you. Other examples that people have to know, it's an important principle. Hasidism is not measured by the act itself. But, but what will be the result of that act? Walk secretly with Hashem. Sometimes you have to conceal your piety. In general, if you're in a from neighborhood and everybody advertises that it's a from Jew publicly, even me as Hasidus, very good. And so they vie, they compete with each other to show more and more piety. All right, you're advertising in a good neighborhood. But if you're in a different neighborhood, then you must keep in mind this principle that it's worth omitting certain things or hiding your piety in order not to arouse resentment. And many great Hasidim left off their customs of their piety when they are among ordinary people. Now here comes somebody else. Mishum de Merzi because it looks like arrogance. That's something else now. Even though people won't ridicule you, but it looks like you're a show off. Even then you should try to hide your meetus see this. So before he spoke about a case where your acts will cause people to do a sin. It's very serious. Therefore it's good to conceal those acts. Now I'm saying something else. They won't ridicule you, but they'll think you're a show-off. That you're doing it for arrogance. And therefore, even that is worth concealing. The people shouldn't see it. And suspect you of being an actor. Now he sums up. Whatever is fundamental in a mitzvah, whether it's a din of the Torah or a din of the Gemara or even Shulchan Aruch says you must do it. Yase l'fnei He should do it even in the presence of anybody who ridicules him. But what is not fundamental, but it causes laughter and ridicule, lo yase, he shouldn't do it. I'll say that aside. That's why we find in the Gemara a number of times things that are discouraged to do in public. It looks like arrogance. 
although the people who are doing it have the best intentions, but it looks to the people, the spectators, as if they're showing off. So don't do it. Why should they suspect a from Jew, a servant of Hashem, of being an actor and a show-off? Not a Kveshamayim. And so although these people who were doing it had nothing but their best intentions, nevertheless they are told, don't. Because you are. It's a more expression. It looks like yuhara, like arrogance. So it comes out that we learn anyone who comes to practice true chasidus he must weigh all of his acts according to the results that will come from his acts and according to the conditions that are connected to the acts. The fiho ace depends on the time. The fiachever depends on which company he finds himself. The fianes according to the subject. Or the fiamok according to the place. Now all these things need explanation. But there are various forms of consideration. For instance, according to the time. Let's say if a person on Tisha Bob sits on the ground and he weeps for the whole base of English. That's the time to do it. But suppose you find a man in the middle of the week sitting on the ground and weeping. So if it's in the secrecy of his house, late at night, very good. Taking hot soils. Sometimes, however, let's say, in the three weeks, some people sit on the floor by day two a little bit and say, taking hot and weep. Now you have to beware because a visitor will come in, even a woman coming in to speak to your wife, and she see they're sitting on the floor, so she thinks, what's wrong with this man? And even though he's doing, but it's, it's a good minute. In the three weeks, some people sit on the floor and weep a little bit every day. You have to beware. It's not the time, not the place. Do it in a secret place where nobody can see you. And so on. Depends on company. I said, suppose you're in a company of from Jews who appreciate what you're doing. There's certain things or on the contrary, it's a kiddush Hashem. But suppose you're in a company of people who are so-called modern and they have a tendency to belittle any kind of chumras and they see you're practicing chumras. And those places, it's a sin. That's what he's telling us. Because you're causing them to have a head. So if it's a sin to do those things. So after here. Bima prisha toilet yesakida shemayim. If abstaining from those deeds will cause more kiddush Hashem and more pleasure to our college brotherhood than actually doing the acts, yifresh will yasa. He shall abstain and not do those acts. <coughs> oh, or if some act looks good, it looks to be <coughs> a perfect form of service of Hashem. But the results or conditions attached to it, 
are not good. It is another act that looks bad. But the Torah told us that his results are good. Then you should choose the one that looks bad and the results are good. Everything depends on the result. That's the fruit of these. So sometimes things look like he is bakel, like he is not machmir, is careless, but the truth is, he's doing it in order to avoid, let's say, certain results that are unfavorable, and therefore, it's important for us when we see a man of piety and learning, we have to give him a certain amount of leeway of consideration. It could be that even though he seems to be a little lenient in some things, maybe as a consideration that it would cause wrong results and therefore he chose this way now that's not for everybody and nowadays especially but in the ancient times this rule held certainly held true and therefore the Chachomim wished to offer up the Korban that Kamsa by Kamsa brought to them to honor the Kaiser, the Emperor without offering although that offering had a blemish in one eye and it's also midaraisa to offer up a karma with a blemish. But in order to avoid unfavorable results, which comes about comes would use this as an excuse. He'll take the behemoth back to the Romans and say, Look, the Jews refused to honor the king and didn't accept his offering. And the Romans looked over it, see nothing wrong, because a little blemish in the eye means nothing to the Gentiles. Now, to accept that offering is an Isra Daraisa. Absolutely, it's also to offer up an offering with a blemish. But in order to avoid the harmful results that would come from the impression that these Jews are in a revolt against the Kesar, they decided to do it. Along came Shalya ben Avkulis, a Chosid, and he said, No, he said, if you'll accept this offering with a blemish, it'll become a precedent. And people will think, that you can overlook such a thing as a blemish in the eye. And he was so insistent that they yielded to him as an important personality. And then what was the result? The result was that the master, Kamsa by Kamsa, took the offering back to the Romans and said, look, the Jews refused the offering. And the Romans came and made a slaughter on the Jewish population. And so his piety, the Romans said, slaughtered our people. So here's a case of piety. After all, it's also Medaraisa to bring an offering. But the Hachamah said, what can you do? You must yield that in order to rescue ourselves from the vengeance of the Romans. But the Chalib and Archivist overlooked that possibility. He insisted on doing what's right this moment. This moment is right to refuse the offering, and therefore he brought catastrophe upon the Jews. And that's the important lesson you want to say. The piety of the Chalib and Archivus, he destroyed the base on English. We're stopping here. Kuflamit test, like in Tov.
eight lines up from the bottom. Vein advarim esurim. Kuflam is test like in tov. Eight lines up from the bottom. Vein advarim esurim. Before he said that when it comes to practicing Hasidus, the criterion, whether it's good or not, is measured by the results. And even though right now, at the moment, it seems to be good, but here you look ahead and see that the results could be harmful, then it's not Hasidus, but it's an Avera. These things can be given over only to an understanding heart and a good intelligence. I mean, not everybody is capable of doing these things. And therefore, people who are not <coughs> learners and they don't have experience in thinking should not undertake any novel form of a service of Hashem. Only you have to have a lave maven, understanding mind, and a sechot no. It means a mind that's founded on the principles of experience, of precedence that you learn from history. Otherwise, he'll blunder into things that are more harmful than good. It's not possible to explain all the details because they have no limit. There's so many. And he quotes, Hashem gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And therefore, when people are sincere and they seek to find the truth, so our Kodesh Borah guides them and they become capable of practicing Hasidus. But otherwise, don't even try it. Because you're not able to look ahead, you're not trained to look ahead and understand what could be the results. It brings a case of Rebetafim. He made a Chumrah to say Krishna of Maev Reclining. Bishama said, it says, Bishoch when you lie down, you should say these words. So according to Bishama, in Maya, when you come to Krishna, you have to recline on the bench and say it lying down. And Bishila said, no. You can say it sitting or standing. Now Bishila didn't say it's also to lie down. But he said not required to lie down. Now, Abitavan thought, since it's nothing wrong when you lie down, only you're not required. So I lie down to be Machmir according to Beishamai. That's Hasidus. Whenever you're in doubt, you do what's more severe in order to be sure that you're doing the right thing. That's why he reclined. Basil didn't say it's a sin to recline, not necessary. The Omrolo, so the Hachomer told the by doing that, you were worthy of being punished. 
en divrai Bessil. Because you transgress the words of Bessil. Now the question is, why is it called transgressing? Bessil didn't say you can't lie down. What was so wrong if Rabbi Talfi wanted to be a machmer? Now he explains. Older Rabbi Talfi was machmer. And machmer is always better. Is that what is that? Because here is different. The dissension, the difference of opinion between Beisham and Beisil was a very difficult subject for Yisrael because these two schools of sages differed in many matters and became a serious matter. And finally the Chachamim came to the conclusion you must follow Beisil. Now, even though in all other cases of dissension, of machlekes, she wished to be machmir, but here by being machmir, you're showing already a certain weakness in this final result that we follow Beis Hillel. And all the Beis Hillel said nothing wrong with lying down, but by lying down you're demonstrating that Beis Shammai could be followed. If you follow him in that, you'll follow other things too. And you break the final result of the accord that they reached that Allah has by selling everything. If they are machlekes, there's a great machlekes between these two schools of thought. And sof sof, it was finally decided that in every matter we follow Beisil. That's uphold the Torah. And in order to uphold the Torah, we have to make sure that there is no Wandering, no straying after Beis Shammai at all, even the Chumra. Shigmar din zeh yishor b'chol teikav la'adelonai. This decision to follow Beis Hillel has to remain forever and ever. Lo yechlesh b'shum ponim. And it shouldn't be weakened in any matter whatsoever. Shalom te'or said te'or has to show me his te'or. Therefore te'or should not be made like two te'or. Now once more. In all other dissensions, in the Machlekes, one is Machmer, one is Mekel, and you wish to follow the Machmer, on the contrary, you say, But the Machlekes, Beishamer, Beishilel, this principle didn't apply. There's no Brocha for doing like Beishamer, because you're showing your weakness in the final decision that Allah is like Beishilel. And even therefore, the Chumri shouldn't go according to Beishamer. And Avitafen, they wanted to do a Midas Hasidis and lie down to say Krishna in Maya, like Beishamai. He was demonstrating by his act of piety that you can make a breach in this final decision that we follow Beishila. And he said, you were guilty, you're worthy of incurring a penalty on yourself. Now this is a case where you see where a person has to watch out. You're doing something that seems to be a very good thing. You're machmir. And it could turn out in the end that you're breaking up what the army soil has finally succeeded in making peace and deciding we follow the base on and everything. So that shows an example how Hasidus, to do something beyond the line of duty, requires expert intelligence. And it's it requires learning these precedents like we're learning now. So the person has a proper mind and is trained in this subject, I will learn that in the next chapter, 
that person is qualified. Otherwise, don't try to do anything novel. Say that aside. Now we're three, li- three lines down from the top. Al-Kain, according to this Mishnah, which stated that the Rabbi Talfan deserved to be punished, it's more piety to practice like Basil, even though they're being lenient, rather than to be Mahmel like Beshamah. This is for us, like eyes, to see how we should do it all matters. To look ahead and see what's going to be the result of our novel acts of piety. In which way is the real truth, the light of the truth? Did you wish right in the eyes of Hashem? Now, in order for people to be qualified to make such decisions, he's going to explain to us in the next chapter what preparations they have to make on themselves, how they should train their minds, how they should become capable of making such decisions. Otherwise, lo amo oretz chosid. An ordinary person cannot be a chosid. Now, an ordinary person can be a tzaddik. A tzaddik means somebody who means well, but he can't be a chosid. A tzaddik does what he's supposed to do. He doesn't <coughs> invent new ways of serving Hashem. He does what all Jews are expected to do here at tzaddik. So, amoros can be a tzaddik. But he cannot be a chosid. A chosid is somebody who invents new ways of serving Hashem beyond the line of duty. If he is capable, he's a greater than a sad, he's a chosid. But not an amoritz, he shouldn't even attempt to say these lines aside. Man, tell The ways of acquiring this Madrege of Chesidus. Among the things that can help greatly in acquiring Chesidus, a great amount of introspection is looking into things and thinking about them. Now that's not an easy thing because most people are willing to say it when it comes to doing it, they don't. For instance, you say this every day today, let us search out our ways. Now, how many people stopped two minutes in the entire Shlichus time to think about it? To think about their ways? People talk about things, but don't do them. And therefore, this business of thinking into matters is not an easy matter. I tell us what to think about. 
when a man will think very much about the greatness of sublimity, how sublime he is, how elevated he is, the Tatlishle Musa, and how endless is his perfection. And a great difference, distance, that cannot be measured at all between his greatness and our smallness. It'll cause him to be full of fear and trembling before Hashem. Now, people will say, it's a waste of time, because I know Hashem is infinitely great. But that's like saying, nothing at all. So when people spend time on actual examples of the greatness of Hashem, and they utilize that to measure the distance between Hashem and themselves, then they acquire a certain feeling of respect, of fear, and trembling before Hashem. It doesn't mean necessarily he's afraid that he'll get hit by something. No. When a man stands, let's say, in the Grand Canyon, the the Grand Canyon is not going to cave in and fall on him, but it's such a huge thing, and he is so small standing down there at the bottom that he becomes overawed. That's what visitors say. And when a person realizes that the Grand Canyon is only a little crack in the surface of a tiny pebble of the earth, but such pebbles there are trillions in the universe, and most of the places are bigger than the earth. So, if the Grand Canyon can cause somebody to feel overawed, then what should he feel if he thinks you multiply this by trillions of times? Or that's one thing now. So think about the greatness of Hashem, and it's always worthwhile. You might say, what's enough can mean that? What difference does it make? It's a tremendous difference, because if you gain in your mind a certain feeling of awareness of the greatness of Hashem, that's a perfection for you. The more you can realize how great Hashem is, for instance, at Kriyat Yamsuf, they sang to Hashem, O Shirol Hashem, I will sing to Hashem, Ki Go Oi Go, because He has become great. It means He has shown His greatness to us. He has taught us His greatness. Now what greatness did He show us? Sus A horse and his rider He cast into the sea. Now it's a t- tremendous sight, a horse, Egyptian horse, a big war horse. And the rider sitting on him with armor on him. It's a fearsome sight. If you see them coming, everybody trembles. The horse alone can trample people down. Beside what the rider can do. And here they saw the horse and the rider were catapulted. Not merely they fell down. They were hurled from the land into the sea. That's how College Boy made it happen. It was a tremendous sight. But actually it's a joke. Is that the greatness of Hashem? You can hurl a horse and a rider into the sea. Hashem hurls huge comets bigger than this earth for millions of miles through space. And the answer is, we're not aware of this spectacle. If you, do, if you see a comet, it looks like a small thing to you. But what's close to you, no matter how unimportant it is in comparison to the stars, what you see it, your comparisons, it makes a tremendous effect on you. And that's why we thank Hashem for anything, like thunder. 
His strength and his power fill the world. Now, Kodesh brought us bigger things than thunder. And still, thunder is given to us for the benefit. We should gain a, a certain awareness of the greatness of Hashem. And so utilize whatever comes along. Anything that makes us respect the power of Hashem is a gain to our minds. And we shouldn't think it's a waste of time. That's one thing. Now the second. When you think about the many kindnesses that he does to us. Means to the army Israel. How great is his love to Israel. You see what he did? He chose us. He bestowed upon our own such promises that will be with forever and ever. And the Messiah, because his brother showed his presence with miracles, and he smote Egypt down and brought them out with great wealth. And therefore, these signs of Hashem's love for us should make us feel great appreciation, tremendous gratitude to him. How he brought close all the righteous people to him. In our history, Hashem showed how he chose the righteous men, what he did to Moshe Rabbeinu, what he did for Yahushua, what he did for Shmuel HaNavi, what he did for David HaMelech. And also, how great is the benefit of Torah and Mitzvah for us. Now one thing I skipped before is many kindnesses to us. That's our personal kindnesses in our own lives. When people spend time thinking, our college brother helped them. Look back on your life, see if many of your young contemporaries, what happened to them? Many people didn't survive that long. Many people had misfortunes in their lives. I call this brother who saved you of all of these things that happened to other people. And Baruch Hashem, we're still around. So we should appreciate these things and think about them. And such studies and such introspections, when you put your mind on these things, and so far he told us the example of thinking of the greatness of Hashem, and thinking of the kindness of Hashem that he did to us personally and did to our people, to our nation. And the fact that he gave us such a privilege of Torah and Mitzvahs, Vadai Shetislahid by Ava as it's certain that there will be kindled in him a strong love. He will choose and he will desire to cling to Hashem, means to come as close as he can to Hashem. When he sees that the Bere is is actually a father to us, and he has pity upon us, like a father upon his children, there will be awakened in us, in the course of time, a desire to repay him or to act towards him in gratitude like a son towards his father. No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form even for personal use.